Well, I am very excited to get back to the Gospel of Luke. You know, we started this journey two years ago. Uh, and we've been, you know, because we take breaks here and there. And uh, it is this year, though, that we will finish up the Gospel of Luke. And I am loving just going through it and staring at Jesus and being in awe of him. As Pastor Jared told you last week, about the end of chapter 9, Christ turned and he set his face toward Jerusalem. He is marching toward Jerusalem. And today we will be in chapter 19. As we come into that, Jesus is entering like the last major city before he gets to Jerusalem. That city is called Jericho. And as Jesus enters Jericho in chapter 19, what we encounter there is a very well-known story. It's well-known because it has a song that goes with it. Enjoy this. You can sing along if you want. And a real little man was he, really little. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Hello! And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down! For I'm going to your house today. Yes, I'm going to your house today. <laughs> Yeah, because every song is better when sung by Paul Grape, right? <laughs> Zacchaeus was a... I love that. That is just perfect. Now, if you grew up in the church, that probably was for you a lot of nostalgia right there. If you, like me, didn't grow up in the church, you're thinking, Christians are weird. And you're right, we are, we absolutely are. But that's the story we are going to be looking at today. And of course, we do not want to be taught by Paul Grape. We want to go to the scriptures. So we'll be in Luke chapter 19, and let's begin with the first four verses. It says this about Jesus. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now, in those four verses, we learn a lot about Zacchaeus, actually. But before that, I want to notice something that we learn in there about Jesus. So wherever Jesus went, there were crowds. He not only had his entourage, but like people flocked to him. Wherever he was, the place was packed, really hard to get near him. I remember when Shannon and I, when we were in Edinburgh, Scotland, that the queen was in residence in the city at the time, and that meant there was going to be the changing of the guard. It was a place where we were going through to get into the castle, and they shut it down because it was time to change the guard and put this line up, and it just so happened, it, ha it shut down right in front of us. So we were at the front because everybody was pressing forward to see it. I got a great video. My poor wife didn't get to see well because, well, she's short. 
Like first service, people gasp at that. It's okay, she knows. <laughs> like, um, and, and so, so uh, but, but when there's a crowd, when there's an attraction, people try to get near it and not everybody gets a good view. Listen, what we learn about God in this is that God is not repulsive. God is very attractive. People want to get near him. And so when God comes in the flesh as Jesus himself, Truth flows out of him. Wisdom flows out of him. There's grace and mercy and love and justice. And people want to be near Jesus. It's so packed that Zacchaeus can't even get a view. And so he runs ahead. Now let's learn some things then about Zacchaeus. One of the things that it says about him is that he is a tax collector. Let me remind you kind of the implication of that. Remember, Israel was a conquered country, occupied by a foreign invader, Rome. And Rome would have soldiers all over the street. They're an occupied territory. And so these taxes that were being raised, these are not taxes that are going to Jewish roads and Jewish schools. These are taxes that would be siphoned off and taken back to Rome to support the wicked lifestyles of the Roman aristocracy and to fortify the Roman army the one that is occupying you and that you're trying to get rid of. I mean, you get that? And so these taxes were very, very harsh. Rabbis then taught that it is okay to lie to the tax collector. Some of you are writing that down. Now, listen, I know you want me to say that, but the reason the rabbi said that is because we're at war and they viewed the tax collectors as enemies and it's okay to lie to enemies at war. And some of you are like, well, the IRS is the enemy. Stop it, okay? That's not, that's not the same thing. See, they are not collecting taxes from Jews for Jews. They are collecting taxes from Jews for Rome ironically, the ones that would be the tax collectors, though, were not Romans. They themselves were also Jewish. These were Israelis that were hired by the Roman army to be traitors against their own people. And they they were working for the Roman occupiers, so they were the most bitterly hated people in the society, were these Jewish tax collectors for Rome. So then why in the world would you take this job to be so hated? Because you got rich, fabulously rich. See, what what happened is there was an incentive system for the tax collectors to squeeze as much as they can, and they did, and it was burdensome, and it was mean. But here's the thing. The, The tax collector would have to give a set amount to Rome. Everything that they were able to raise above and beyond that, no matter how much, they got to keep. Oh, and they gave Roman soldiers escorts to the tax collectors to go collect the taxes. So they're collecting it at the point of a spear. It's legalized theft. And they became really, really rich and people hated them. Very hated. In fact, one rabbinic tradition taught that being a tax collector was an unforgivable sin. Which means that it doesn't matter if you repent and turn around and you want God in your life and I'm sorry, too bad, so sad, you're going to hell, there's nothing you can do about it. That's what some of them taught. Now, one of the things you might notice about Zacchaeus, though, is he is not just a tax collector, he is a chief tax collector. What that means is that he not only threw tax collecting parties at his friends' houses in the evenings, 
But then he recruited some of his friends through parties and social media to be down line from him in his pyramid scheme. Is this striking too close to home for some of you? <laughs> Sorry, but, uh, but, but maybe not that, but at least this. He's not just a trader. He is a chief trader, and he's really good at it, and he's rich, and people don't like him. Now, here's the good thing, though. The dude's short. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? Like, he's a little dude. My paw grape's pretty good. So, so he's, he's a little guy, right? And, so, and that's convenient because people hate him. And so what Zacchaeus does is he runs ahead and he climbs up this sycamore tree so that he can see Jesus. And you got to know that that sycamore tree must have had some low branches. See, all the little jokes are just going to start, right? Like, like, you can imagine the crowd going by, Hey, Zacchaeus, you need a boost? Why don't you climb higher? Do you need help down, little guy? You know, because after all, they hate him. And the shortness, man, that's just, that's easy pickings right there. Easy pickings. So why would he do it? Why would he run ahead and climb a tree and open himself up to the scorn of the crowd? This tells me something else about Zacchaeus. He's desperate. He's a tax collector. He's short, but he's desperate. He's desperate. Now, he would have looked really good on the outside. If we translate it into today's language, this guy would be a billionaire. Owns his own private jet, has multiple vacation houses, servants, finest wine, finest foods. He's loaded. Looks really good on the outside, but on the inside, life is crumbling. Listen, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Life sucks. Life is hard. And here's a guy who's faking it on the outside, raising a mug and laughing. And on the inside, it's darkness and it's pain. And Zacchaeus knew he couldn't keep it up for much longer. He knew it was going to all come crashing down. He knows he needs a change. And he starts to suspect, what if God has something? I don't know much about God. I'm not really connected to that stuff. But what if it has something to do with God? And at that moment, here comes the one they say is the Messiah. This Jesus is walking through his town, and so he throws caution to the wind, and he runs, and he climbs because he has to see Jesus, just has to see him. I wonder if you can relate. You might not be a short tax collector, but I wonder if you're desperate like Zacchaeus. Looking good on the outside, like your posts on social media might look great, but you know the truth. And on the inside, you're crumbling and dying, and you don't know if you can keep it up much longer, and you need a change. What if God has something to do with it? What would you do to get a better look at Jesus? Would you risk the ridicule of the crowd? Like, would you value the affirmation of your God, your creator, your judge, and your savior? Would you value his input more than the crowd and run to see Jesus? Now, it might cost you. You might get ridiculed. Zacchaeus says, so what? I can't do it anymore. I need to see Jesus. And so he runs and climbs. And then this is what happens next. If we look at the next few verses, starting in verse 5. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. 
He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Gasp. Listen, I, I got to warn you guys. Um, we do such disservice to this story. Because it has a kid's song that goes with it, we tend to think of it as a kid's story. But you just got to know, this thing is loaded. This thing is packed and important. And there's some very shocking things that are going on right there. And so remember, Zacchaeus, he wants to view Jesus kind of at a distance, a safe religious distance. So he runs ahead and climbs a tree and he'll just kind of overlook as Jesus goes by. But that's not how it goes down. As Jesus gets right there, he stops. When Jesus stops, the whole crowd stops. Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus. When Jesus looks up, the whole, what's he looking at? Everybody looks up at Zacchaeus. And Jesus locks eyes with Zacchaeus and starts to talk to him. Can you just imagine Zacchaeus' heart just stopping in that moment? That's not how he expected this to go down. And I think this has happened for some of you. Some of you kind of are wondering, maybe, maybe church, maybe God, I don't know much about it, but I'll check it. You've heard the buzz about redemption. Maybe you're getting sick of the traffic out there, so you thought you'd just join us, right? I'll go in and see, make more traffic. And, 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 and you come in, but you come in thinking, you know what? I'm going to keep Jesus at a safe distance. I'm going to sit in the back, and I'll slip out quick, and it's not really going to get into my life too much, but I'll keep him at arm's distance. And, and, and then what happens is during the sermon, God speaks to you. Right? Some of you come up to Pastor Jared or myself afterwards and you say, Pastor, it was so weird. It was like you were speaking directly into my life. And I always say, it's because I stalk you on Facebook. <laughs> but that's not true. I, I joke to make the point that of course I don't know that stuff. That is God seeking you out. And I want you to think about something right now. What if, look at these phrases. What if... You are not seeking God so much as he is seeking you. What if you are not trying to find God so much as he is trying to find you? And so here you thought you'd just sit in church and sneak out and he stops and looks up, locks eyes with you, and then he does something else surprising. He calls you by name. Did you catch that with Zacchaeus? That was another shocking thing. Jesus called, Jesus called him my name. Listen, Zacchaeus might not know who Jesus is. Evidently, Jesus knows exactly who Zacchaeus is. Calls him my name. Savor that thought for a second. The God of the universe knows you, knows you by name, and thinks about you. Like the one who spoke and flung the universe into existence, the one who thought up the idea of light, the one who determined the speed of light, the one who dreamed up all the colors of the rainbow. He knows your name, and he's thinking of you right now. And if he were to walk by, he would look up and look you in the eyes and call you out, call your name. And the reason he calls your name is he wants to, just like Zacchaeus, he wants to invade your life. Like, notice what happened with Jesus. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. I'm coming to your house. Which means Jesus was not going to be satisfied just dabbling in religion in the street or in the public square. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to invade your life. I'm going to be the centerpiece right in your home, Zacchaeus. Jesus is not looking to dabble at a distance. He wants personal, up-close relational connection with you. He's an invading God. 
and he will invade your life. That's what he's after. He is hunting you down. He came to seek you and to find you. That's what he does. He'll never be satisfied just dabbling at a distance. He's pressing into your life if you let him. And, and Zacchaeus does. He lets him. He, he welcomes Jesus into his home. And we'll see kind of what happens as Jesus and Zacchaeus are in his home in just a moment. But, but first, can you just catch how awesome that is? How amazing? Well, not everybody thinks so. Evidently, the crowd is not such a fan of this one. After all, remember, this guy is a traitor. He is a chief traitor. He's like a prototypical sinner. Do you want to feel what that would be like for us today? This guy is a registered sex offender. Okay? Now, now what I mean by that is when, when, when the Messiah comes through town and decides to just stay at one person's house, like that's the biggest honor ever, right? And so if Jesus came through our town and he said, that registered sex offender, I'm going to your house today. It's you and me, ma'am. Are you kidding me? Too gross, right? Too unacceptable. No, 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 beyond, beyond repair. Like, not that guy, Jesus. What are you thinking? Let me tell you what Jesus is thinking. If you study through the Gospel of Luke, it, it seems like Jesus has a twofold ministry. Number one, he is always welcoming the most broken, messy sinners toward him. And then the second part of it, it seems like he is intentionally ticking off the religious, the self-righteous, the uptight, and the nitpicky. He does both all the time. And so it seems like there are two groups. The, the first group is, are the people who say, Jesus would never want me. And then the second group are the people who say, Jesus would never want that guy. But of course he wants me. See, the first group are the people who say, I'm too messy, I'm too stinky for Jesus. And the second group are the people who say, my poop don't stink. But that guy reeks. Jesus would never want him. And it seems over and over that Jesus came for these people. And he ticked these people off regularly. And I wonder which group you find yourself in. If you're in the first group, you're a Zacchaeus. And I got good news for you. Jesus is hunting you down. He's on a mission for you. He loves you. He wants you. He's calling your name. But if you're in the second group, like the crowd, I just got to let you know, you don't understand three things. Number one, you don't understand yourself, that you stink just as much as the rest of us. We can smell you, all right? Uh, it, we all stink equal. You don't understand yourself. Secondly, you don't understand the heart of Christ. When Christ sees a person, he sees both a perpetrator and a victim at once. Because all of us have done harm and hurt people. But he also sees in Zacchaeus, not just a traitor who has hurt others, but he sees somebody who is trapped by a system. And he sees somebody who is himself hurting and broken, and Jesus has compassion on him, and has vision, and has hope, and he's looking down the road in this guy's life and excited. You don't understand the heart of Christ. And then thirdly, you don't understand the mission of Christ. Jesus Christ is on a mission of redemption. It's what he does. I found this quote on the internet recently. I don't even know the guy that said this, but this is gold. He said, Christianity isn't for the little engine that can, it's for the train wreck that can't. That's spot on. 
That is spot on. And so when a messy train wreck comes into church, Jesus gets giddy. And he goes, oh, this is going to be good. Watch this. This is awesome. This is when he starts to work his art. And his art is beautiful. In fact, let's look at the art in Zacchaeus' life. Let's continue with the last three verses. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now some really cool things started to happen in Zacchaeus' life really quickly. Let's note some of them. First, he was new. He was new. Listen, when you meet Christ, and I don't mean like dabbling in the streets from a distance, but like when you allow Christ to invade your life, he makes a new person. You have new power through the Holy Spirit. You have a new Lord in Jesus Christ. You have new authority in your life through the scriptures. You have a new nature. You have new desires developing. You have a new family in the church. You have a new mission in the kingdom. He makes you new. And what's happening for Zacchaeus is he doesn't want to go on with the old life anymore. He wants change. He wants to be different. He wants to be like Jesus. And so he's new, but then secondly, that leads to some life change. There is life change. Zacchaeus is not just dabbling in religion. He is literally putting his money where his mouth is. There's repentance and life change. You see, he takes half of his wealth and gives it to the poor. Then he says, if I've defrauded anyone, I'll restore it fourfold. Let me help you understand how shocking that is. The Old Testament law would say that for restitution, you need to give it back plus one-fifth. That's 120%. Zacchaeus says, not enough, I'll do 400%. No, no, the, the list of people that Zacchaeus is defrauded would be a very long list. There's a long line forming outside his door right now, okay? This would significantly change his financial position, like big time change. But here's the thing. Jesus brings change wherever he goes. If you don't have life change, you don't have Jesus. Jesus is a change agent. That's what he does. If you don't have change, you're just dabbling at a distance in the street. But if you allow Jesus to invade your life, he will bring change. If you don't have change, you might have Christianity, but you don't have Christ. Zacchaeus gets Christ and he starts to be changed. Now, lest you think that is a bad thing, let me point out the next thing that I notice about Zacchaeus in this. There's freedom and joy. Freedom and joy. Do you know who was most blessed by Zacchaeus' giving? Zacchaeus. He was the most blessed one by it. He's not hurt by the giving. This isn't punishment. This isn't retribution from God. Zacchaeus, for the first time in his life, was free. And he was loving it. Look how free I am, Jesus. Look what you did to me. This is awesome. There's no sense in this of duty and guilt and obligation and arm twisting and begrudging. There's none of that. It's freedom. It's joy. He's loving it. Because Zacchaeus found something much better than money. He found Jesus. 
And for the first time in his life, he was free. He didn't get ripped off. He traded up to a kingdom life. It's free. And what did that? What made that impact? Let me tell you the next thing. Uh, it was relationship, not religion. Relationship, not religion. That's the power. See, Jesus, what he did is he invaded the life of a very messy, very broken, very unworthy person. And he had presence in that person's life. He set up relationship right there. And that's why Zacchaeus changed. Note the order. It's really important. Relationship leads to change, not the other way around. He didn't change in order to get relationship with Jesus. See, listen, you don't get cleaned up to go to Jesus. You go to Jesus to get cleaned up. And that's why we talk about our church as being a hospital, not a country club. See, at a country club, you get really cleaned up and then you go because now you're acceptable, right? But for a hospital, what you do is you get really messed up and broken and then you go and they heal you and they clean you up. And that's the way of Jesus. And so our church is supposed to be a hospital, not a country club. So Zacchaeus is not changing in order to earn God's favor. No, no, no. Notice what Jesus said. Today, salvation has come to this house. Let me ask you a question. Who came to his house? Jesus did. Jesus is salvation. When Jesus shows up, there it is. That's Jesus. That's his presence. Now notice it is past tense. Jesus already stopped, already locked eyes, already called his name, already invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, already ticked off the crowd, and already invited his li- invaded his life. It's all past tense. Jesus connected in relationship, and that is what made the difference. Now, know this, there will be a cost, but Zacchaeus won't pay it. Jesus himself is marching to Jerusalem and across because he will pick up the tab. He will pay the cost, not Zacchaeus. And see, what's interesting, if you look at the passage, is there's no hint, there's this amazing interaction with Jesus in this huge life change. There's no hint of moral instruction or religious teaching in there. There's no sense that Jesus scolded Zacchaeus at all. Instead, what Jesus did, what did he do? He showed up. He invaded his life. He did connection and relationship, and that was a game changer. And Zacchaeus knew he didn't deserve it. Look, both Zacchaeus and Jesus agreed about this. Zacchaeus is unworthy. And Jesus went anyway, because that's what he does. And he went in there, and Zacchaeus experienced the presence of God, the grace of God, the love of God, and that was the lesson that Jesus wanted Zacchaeus and wanted to be in relationship. You see, listen, moralism and religious instruction changes nothing. Jesus changes everything. And that's the tagline for our series in Luke. He said, Luke, this changes everything. Everything. That's why I love this story. This did you know? I, I don't know if I mentioned already. Uh, Luke is the only one that recorded this story. The other three gospel writers didn't record it. And I think Luke put it in there because he's like, this sums it up so awesome. That's why I love this one. We can't skip it. This isn't a children's story. It's loaded. It sums up Luke. Listen, remember, Luke is all about Jesus moving towards the marginalized and the outcasts and the broken, like Zacchaeus, right? Luke is all about salvation has come, not teaching and moral instruction, but Jesus himself showed up. 
just like this one. And then it's all about redemption and relationship, not religion, just like this story. And what happens is it's a game changer. It, it changes everything. It changes everything. And, and we have a kingdom life that's upside down. And that's why we say, Luke, this changes everything. And in a moment, as a part of our song of response, we're going to sing through that. But before getting to that, I want to address what I think are two groups of people here today. And everybody falls into one or the other. And you'll start to see the groups from that last sentence up there. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So the two groups that I want to address are the lost and the found. By the way, don't get thrown off by where it says Son of Man. That uh, comes from Daniel chapter 7. That's just the divine Messiah. That's a title Jesus most often used to refer to himself. So Jesus is saying, I came to seek and save the lost. And what he's saying there is as the Messiah came, I, Jesus the Messiah, have one crystal clear mission. I'm going to seek and save the lost, which means he's looking to find you. He's seeking you more than you're seeking him. He's on a treasure hunt. He's got a clear mission. He's not screwing around. He's on mission. He's got a mission for the lost one. And what happens is the crowd gasps, how in the world could Jesus go to that guy's house? And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? What do you think I came to do? That's the guy I came for. And so let me address the lost and then the found. I'll start with the lost folks. Uh, hopefully you're about to be the found folks. But uh, what I mean by that, I don't mean to be insulting by calling you lost. I just mean you have not yet run to Jesus and welcomed him into your life. You've never had that moment where you've turned your life over to Christ. And I don't mean to be insulting by saying lost. Listen, when you are lost, the best thing you can do is admit you're lost because that's when you start to get found. Like if you're off track on a road trip, and you don't know you're lost or won't admit you're lost, you keep driving and you get more and more and more lost. It's the moment where you say, oh my goodness, I'm lost, that you pull out your phone, you put in the destination, and you get directions. Now you get found. That is a great thing to admit when you are lost. If you don't think you are lost, I got nothing for you. We can't help you. If you know our that you are desperately lost, and I've got great news for you. Jesus came for you. And I wonder if today you wouldn't run toward Jesus. Like, quit worrying about the crowd around you. What will they think? I don't care. You don't care. You need to see Jesus, and he's going to stop right where you are. He's going to look you in the eye. He's going to call you by name and say, I must go to your life today. And you're going to welcome him right in and watch him make you new. Today could be the day for you to make that step. During the closing song, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today. I've got these compasses uh, here. I'm going to put them up front. And if you're a lost person who wants to be found today, you're like, enough, I can't do it anymore. I'm crumbling inside and I need Jesus. During the closing song, I want you to leave the crowd and you're going to run up here and you're going to get one of these. I'll be honest with you. I intentionally didn't put it under your seat because I'm mean. <laughs> That's not it. I want you to have to take a step of faith where you say, I don't care about the crowd anymore. I need Jesus. And maybe today would be the day that you welcome Jesus into your life for your very first time. 
And so what I want you to do is get a Sharpie later today and write the date on the back of this compass, okay? Make sure you write 2020, not 2019. We're all doing that still, right? right? So because then you'll screw it up and you won't be safe. No, that's not true. Um, so, but just write the, the date on the back of there because you want to remember today. Today is the day where, where Jesus sought you out and found you and you belong to him. Now, you're going to be nervous. I'll tell you what, you're going to start to wrestle. I want to go forward, but what will and you'll do this back and forth. And I just got to warn you, uh, afterwards, I hide these in the back. So if you're thinking you're coming in between services, I'm way too big of a jerk for that. So, so you got to come up during the song, right? So these will be here for you. You come get them. You connect with Jesus today. All right, now let me address the second group. And the band will start to take the stage here as I do. But let me talk to the, to the found folks. You're the ones who already have a compass. Okay, so, so don't come grab one because you know, I need a compass. <laughs> Can I just tell you, don't take these camping, okay? Like, and by the way, all of you have a compass on your phone, so stop it, right? But listen, you already have a compass. You've already come into relationship with Jesus Christ. But let me let you know something about your Lord. He is changing the world one life at a time. See, when Jesus came and saw the problem with Rome and taxes and all that, he didn't try to change tax policy. He changed Zacchaeus. He's changing the world one Zacchaeus at a time. He's got a mission. It's to seek and save the lost, and we get to be a part of it. Now, I'll warn you, it, it might cost you. Uh, it certainly costs Zacchaeus. Uh, we have this fuzzy teaching going on out there today about health and wealth and prosperity gospel and uh, Jesus is going to make you so happy and great. And People, listen, uh, it didn't work out that way for Zacchaeus. It actually cost him. He lost money for the kingdom. But in the process, he found true wealth and true health. It was Jesus himself. The Son of Man did not come to seek and save your happiness. The Son of Man did not come to seek and save your comfort. He came to seek and save the lost and is a desperate, risky, costly rescue mission. But lives are at stake. And so by becoming a follower of Jesus, then what we do is we become agents of the kingdom, agents of the mission, agents of blessing. That's what we do. And as part of that, Zacchaeus made a grand gesture of worship. Remember, not to earn favor, but out of worship and service to Christ's kingdom and his mission. So if you're part of the found, while you're standing there and singing, and we're going to be praying that other people are coming forward and they're getting found, but as part of the found, what I want you to think about is what is a grand gesture that you will make in worship to Jesus this year? So much so that the people around you are going to go, dude, too much. Way too much. But you're going to say, listen, 120% isn't enough. 400% is more what I want to do for Jesus. What is a grand gesture that you would make? And I'll tell you what, think about this. A thousand years from now, do you think you will regret that you made that gesture or that you didn't? Think about Zacchaeus. Do you think right now today Zacchaeus is regretting that he gave all that money away? Or do you think he regrets he didn't do more? Listen, if your religion is all about Jesus making you more happy and more comfortable, found folks, let me be honest with you, that's not biblical Christianity. 
Jesus is all about God's grand mission to seek and save the lost. That's why he came and he invites us to be a part of it. And we get to do that. So there's our two groups. If you're part of the lost, don't hold back. You come and get a compass. You run to Jesus today. Today's the day. And if you're part of the found, you don't need to come get another compass. <laughs> okay, so Pastor Austin grew up in a church experience, like many of you, I'm guessing, where he came forward at like every altar call. It's awesome. Pastor Jared's received Jesus like a thousand times, right? If you see him coming for a compass, you deck him, all right? You tackle that boy. Lost folks, you come, you get found today, right? Found folks, you decide what grand gesture are you going to make for Jesus and worship to him. Let me just tell you this before we sing. My life has been radically changed by a few things. Uh, I, I know that I am a freaking mess. And my only hope is Jesus. I know that. And so at one point, I desperately ran. And he called my name. And it's changed my life. It's absolutely changed my life. And what I've done since then is I've been on mission for Jesus. And I'll tell you this, I don't regret it. My only regret is that I have not done more in worship to him. Why don't you stand with me, please, and let's worship together.
street, chasing she come changing in.